The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Philippians chapter number 4, and I'm just going to read one verse, but keep your Bible open because I've got some thoughts out of this chapter that I want to give you today. Philippians chapter number 4, verse 4, very familiar verse. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Say that verse with me together. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Paul, from a lonely Roman prison, writes this little church at the book and in the book of Philippians to remind them that even in the midst of adverse circumstances, Christ is still our life and Christ is still our all in all. When Paul writes these words under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is not on a vacation in Hawaii. He is not in a, on a Caribbean cruise. He is not basking in the sunshine, sipping on lemonade with his shades on. He is in a Roman deserted prison. His circumstances are not very good. But he writes this church at Philippi to remind them that even in the valley, God is still good. Even in the midst of adverse circumstances, Christ is still our life. In chapter one of Philippians, he reminds them that Christ is the purpose of life. For he says, for me to live is Christ. Chapter number two, he reminds them that Christ is the pattern of life. For he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Chapter number three, he reminds them that Christ is the prize of life. For he said, forgetting those things which are behind and press towards the mark, the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. But when we come to our text this morning in chapter number four, he reminds them that Christ is the praise of our life, the glory of our life, the joy of our life. And he encourages not once but twice in this one verse to rejoice in the Lord. Not just sometimes, not just a few times, but always. I looked up that little word always and it means in and under every circumstance, in and throughout all times, every step of the journey. And again, let me emphasize that Paul was in a Roman prison when he penned these words. But not only did Paul speak with authority, Paul spoke with an example. He said, don't forget, I have been to your city in Philippi. I have preached in your city. I've even been persecuted in your city. For it was in your city that a great revival broke out and your politicians stopped it. 
and put me and my assistant in prison and beat us with many stripes. But it was in your city, in your city jail, that when the clock struck midnight, I said to my associate, let's pray. And as we begin to pray, we begin to sing. And as we begin to sing, we begin to rejoice and praise God in the midst of our prison. And Paul said, I rejoiced in all circumstances when I was in your city, in the prison, in stripes and in bonds. And I'm encouraging you that when you realize even in the midst of adverse circumstances, Christ is still our all in all and Christ is our life. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. We're not rejoicing in our circumstances. We're not rejoicing about the conflicts and the trouble we had. But our joy, our cheer, our happy is in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And he goes on in chapter number four and he points out four reasons we can rejoice in the Lord always. I've entitled the message this morning, Reasons for Rejoicing. Some preacher came up to me the other day and said, Brother Joe, every time I hear you preach, why do you always preach those sermons to try to encourage people? And I know I shouldn't have did this, but I got in the flesh. And I said, well, why every time I hear you preach, you're trying to discourage people. But anyway, I'm glad we have a reason to rejoice. If you will, this morning, look in verse number six. Reason number one, we rejoice. We have a prayer that settles us. In verse number six, he says, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious and worried about things. He said, because in verse number six, we can let our request be made known unto God. He reminds that church at Philippi, no matter what situation you're in, you can always pray. And no matter what situation you find yourself in in life, God still hears and he answers prayer. Paul said, that's what I did when I was in Philippi, when I was in prison, when I was in a malady, when I was in a fix, I called on God and God answered my prayers. I'm glad this morning that we have a prayer line to heaven through our advocate and our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad we have a prayer that settles us. I don't believe this morning that a holy God would invite you and I into the throne of grace to call upon his name if he was not a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. I remember the little song we sang in Sunday school, God answers prayer in the morning and God answers prayer at noon and God answers prayer in the evening to keep our hearts in tune. I love the phrase that Paul used in verse number six. He said, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. With thanksgiving. What in the world does that mean? That means we have so much faith in our God that he will hear and answer our prayer. We thank God before the prayer is ever answered. 
We thank God in advance for who God is and what he has done in our life. And I'm glad this morning from a heart of gratitude, we can call upon the Lord and cast our burdens upon the Lord and know that when we pray in the name above every name, in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, we have the confidence that God will hear and answer our prayers. So reasons for rejoicing, we have a prayer that settles us. Secondly, this morning, look, if you will, in verse number seven. Reason number two for rejoicing, we have a peace that sustains us. I like the way verse six and verse seven come together. He says, let your requests be made known unto God. And verse seven, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall Keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I love the little word keep in the text. It's a military term and it means to set up a sentry, to set up a guard, to literally to guard, to watch over, to umpire one's soul. Someone said, how in the world do we keep from going insane in an insane world? Well, there is a peace of God that umpires and guards and marches sentry and keeps our hearts and our minds. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we're living in a crazy world. We're living in a world where a box of crazy seems to be opened every day. And the minds of God's people are bombarded and perplexed like never before. I'm only 57 years old. I'm only 57 years old. I'm only 57 years old. And I thought I would never live in a society so mixed up and confused as the one that we live in. I mean, friend, you know you're in trouble when the spotted owl and the darted lizard has more rights than an unborn baby in the body of its mother. We live in a crazy society. And it seems like in these last days, the apostasy is greater and the iniquity of men waxes worse and worse. But aren't you glad in the midst of adverse circumstances, there is a peace of God that umpires and guards our soul. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is not the absence of affliction. Peace is not the absence of storms. Peace is not the absence of difficulty. But peace is joy and solace and rest and strength and hope and courage in the midst of all of our circumstances. I'm glad when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was justified and therefore I have peace with God. But I'm glad as I fellowship with God and I walk with God, it goes from peace with God to the peace of God that passeth all understanding. I'm glad this morning there's peace in the time of trouble. There's peace in the midst of the storm. There's peace though the world be raging in the shelter of his arms. I rejoice this morning because there is a prayer that settles us. There is a peace that sustains us. Number four this morning, come down if you will to verse number 13. There is a power that strengthens us. Notice what he said in verse number 13. I can do, and say that little phrase with me, all things. 
things. I can do all things. And notice the words of the text. I can do all things through myself. No, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We have a power that strengthens us. Someone said, I don't understand how the apostle Paul could be persecuted and beaten with stripes and placed in a prison, in the inner prison. I don't understand how he could be fastened to the dirty walls of, of a Roman prison and bleeding and suffering. I don't understand how a man can go through that and yet rejoice in the Lord and sing praises to God and walk out of that prison and walk out of that malady, not bitter and not mad and, and not holding things against God. How does a man go through what the apostle Paul went through and yet at the end of his life he could say, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. He was not a quitter. He was not a has-been. He didn't turn back. He didn't give up, but he finished his course. And someone said, how does a man uphold through all of that pressure, through all of that trouble? Well, it's right here in the text. I can, I can, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. May I remind you this morning that a born again, Holy Spirit regenerated, heaven bound child of God is not some weak need person who is in an army of, of defeated people. We are the body of Christ, the ransom redeemed, the church of the firstborn. Our name is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Jesus is our elder brother. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Christ is our, is our savior. God the Father is our heavenly father. Father, the Bible is our book, the church is our family, heaven is our home, and we have strength and power in the name of Jesus. Power through Christ which strengthens us. Brother, how am I going to get through this trouble? How am I going to get through this storm? How am I going to uphold in all the things that's going on in my life? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. How can I walk through that deep valley? How can I swim that ocean of trouble? How can I go up through the storms and the afflictions and the troubles of life and still have my peace and have my joy? Paul said, I can, I can, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I quoted that verse in a meeting the other day and somebody was there that didn't like me and they put it out on a Twitter, said, Brother Joe is preaching the power of positive thinking. No, I'm not preaching the power of positive thinking, but I am preaching a Savior, hallelujah, that lives in my heart that is better than the best and higher than the highest and greater than the greatest. And he did make me this promise that he would never leave me nor forsake me. He would be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I have not been abandoned. I am not alone. I'm not trying to serve God in my own strength, but I can do, I can do, and you can do all things through. Christ which strengtheneth us. And I'm glad we have a power that strengthens. We have a peace that sustains. We have a prayer that settles us. Reason number four, look if you will down in verse number 19, reasons for rejoicing. We have a provision that supplies. Notice what he said in this classic verse, chapter four, verse number 19. But 
my God. But my God. Boy, I'm glad he's my God. Boy, I'm glad the Bible said, for God so loved the world. I'm glad Paul said in Galatians 2.20 that he loved the church. But boy, I'm glad the Bible said that he loved me. He loved me and gave himself for me. I'm glad he is personal. I'm glad David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 46, the Lord is my refuge. Psalm 27, the Lord is my rock. Psalm 38, the Lord is my shield. I'm glad he is my Lord, my shepherd, my savior, my light, my God, my Jesus. I'm glad I know him, but I'm glad that he knows me. And he says, but my God. He said in verse 19 in the text, but my God shall supply all your need. And I love the phrases of the scripture, not out of his riches in glory, but according to his riches in glory. If you take something out of something, then there is less. If he took it out for me, if he took it out for you, there may not be enough left for that person. But it's not out of his riches and glory. It's according to his riches and glory. And all who God is and all that God has and, and all that God is able to do, he is able to supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. That's why we rejoice because we have a provision that supplies. I love that little word provide. The first time you read about it, and I love to study the scripture in the light of the law of first mention. When you read something for the very first time in the Bible, it's big, it sets, it sets the stage for the other times it's mentioned and you'll see great characteristics about it every time. And that law of first mention, the first time that word provide is used in the Bible is in Genesis 22. Abraham and Isaac are on this side of the mountain and they have a three-day journey to the mountain where God says, you go and worship me there and offer your son. And man, they make that three days journey and they go to the top of Mount Moriah where the temple mount is today in Jerusalem. And they get to the foot of that mountain and they start at the side of Mount Moriah and there's the donkey and there's the fire and there's the knife and there's the wood. And Abraham builds that altar and he sets it ablaze and binds Isaac upon it and reaches and gets his knife. And Isaac, and, and, and I think he asked a very good question. I, I believe I ought to ask the same question. Dad, I see the fire, I see the altar, I see the knife, I see the wood, but, but I've got a real interesting question. Where is the lamb? How many believe this morning, if you'd have been bound to that fire, you'd have asked that question too. Where is the lamb? And Abraham picks up the telescope of God's divine prophecy and he looks across the ages and he says to Isaac, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. I don't have all the answers. But he looked at him in the affirmative and said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide. God will see to it. God will supply. 
And as Abraham was going down, the voice of God out of the glory world said, Abraham, Abraham, do thy son no harm. Look, and Abraham turned and looked behind him, and there was a sacrifice caught by its horns in the thicket. And the Bible said he offered that ram in the stead of his son. The Bible doesn't say what Isaac did, but if I'd have been Isaac, I'd have went, that was close. But God provided the sacrifice. Oh, I love this text. Three days headed toward the mountain. Abraham and Isaac on this side. But what they didn't know, that was a ram coming up on the other side. They couldn't see the ram and the ram couldn't see them. But God who sits upon his throne sees both sides of the real estate. He sees the prayer on this side and he sees the answer on this side. He sees the need on this side and he sees the provision on this side. He sees the problem on this side and sees the solution on this side. And with Abraham and Isaac in one hand and the ram in the other hand, he's directing traffic at the top of the hill and just in time, on time, like God does every time, he brought them together and God rolled up his sleeves and did the miraculous and supplied their need. And I'm glad that I have a God this morning who loves me, he walks with me, he talks with me. And even though I'm walking up to a mountain of uncertainty, even though I'm traveling in a way that I've never gone before, I can't see what lies ahead. I don't know the crosses. I don't know the affliction. I don't know the unexpected phone calls that will come in the middle of the night that will change my world. I don't know what lies over the next stone and the next hill and the next, hill and the next valley, but there is the Lord God Almighty who loves me because I'm his child. And when I can't see the ram, I can't see the answer, God sees both both sides of the mountain and in time, on time, God always comes through and supplies our every need. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Here's a man that's in prison. Here's a man that's suffering because He's doing right. Here's a man that has given his life for the cause of Christ to proclamate the gospel to the four corners of the earth. And now he finds himself incarcerated, locked up in the prison. And most people would be singing the blues and getting bitter and, and turning their back on God. But yet he says, rejoice in the Lord always and again and again and again. I say rejoice because there is a God that will not fail us and he will supply all of our needs. I read the other day where this preacher was scheduled to go preach a meeting and that afternoon his wife was, uh, she came down with a sickness and she was very, very sick. And the preacher thought about canceling his engagement. But his wife held his hand and said, please go, please go, preach the gospel. Somebody may need to be saved, please go. And on his way out the door, his little boy, about 12, said, Daddy, you go preach. Me and God will take care of Mama. 
He went on and preached that night. People were saved and he came back, walked back in the house and his wife was feeling some better. And as he walked over to greet her, she said, I'm glad you went and preached tonight. She said, and you remember this, be not dismayed, whatever betide us, God will take care of us. Late that night, that preacher went to a little pump organ and gave the church one of our great hymns that's comforted the hearts of God's people down through the ages. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied. God will take care of you. I can promise every young person in this room this morning that God will never fail you and God will never forsake you. And when you need him the most, standing somewhere in the shadows, he will be there for you. He loves you too much to hurt you. He's too holy to ever do wrong. And I'm telling you this morning, we can rejoice in the Lord because he's our savior and he's our friend and he has promised to take care of us. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.